Welcome to BMP Radio. My name is Brian Pickowitz, and I am your host. The goal of this podcast is to connect you with individuals from the fields of fitness and lifestyle as they share their stories to ignite the fire within you. I want to thank you for tuning in as we inspire you to be a light and believe in more. What is going on, guys? Brian Pickwoods here, and I want to welcome you all to episode number 14 of BMP Radio. So on today's episode of the podcast, we have Amanda Cook, and you can find her at Amanda E. Fitness, or you can find her coaching services at Team Precision Fitness on Instagram. And this is a really great podcast because one of the things that I like the most that we dived into, or dove into, I think is the right term and right vernacular, is that being into fitness, being at an elite level of fitness like Amanda is, doesn't always come with the most perfect backstory. And I think that showing people those stories is extremely transcendent to connect people who are just starting their journeys to people who are well ahead on their journeys too. Amanda is a bikini competitor. She's nationally qualified in the MPC, and she recently placed first in her class in her most recent contest, which is in Sacramento. And one of the things I like the most about this podcast is we dove into her original struggle to get into shape, original struggles to get fit, how she actually was able to cultivate a lifestyle around this that wasn't just based off of her desire to have abs. Like it was, it was driven by trying to overcome these different pieces. And one of the things we talked about in this podcast was overcoming eating disorders and binge eating disorders, which is something that I don't feel like enough people want to dive into. And I feel like people who are on the outside of fitness don't think that people who are competing, people who are at an elite level of fitness deal with. And so this episode has a lot of different tangible pieces if you're someone who's struggling with an eating disorder, someone who's struggling to find self-love, someone who's trying to build a lifestyle that causes you to become better. But at the same time, we dive into some different pieces about practical advice for training. What does it feel like to compete? Where does that shift happen? And how do you ultimately find a way to build a life of fitness. We also talk about the value of having a coach and and what that means for long-term success. So this podcast has a lot to offer anyone and everyone. Um, I'm really excited to share this piece with you guys. And like I said, you can find Amanda Cook at Amanda Eve Fitness on Instagram. You'll also be able to find her coaching services there as well. And without further ado, I want to welcome you guys to the show. Please make sure to rank us on iTunes. Give us your rating and review. Let us know what you want to see on the podcast. What would you like to hear more of? Who would you like me to interview? And what are the topic matters that you would like to learn more about when it comes to fitness, lifestyle, and really cultivating that mindset for action? You can follow us at BMP Radio at Instagram or on Instagram is probably the better vernacular. And you can always find me at brianpickwitz.com. That's P-I-C-K-O-W-I-C-Z because good luck trying to spell that. And without further ado, here's Amanda Cook. Amanda, welcome to our show. Hi, how are you? I'm doing wonderful. I'm doing wonderful. I'm really glad you could join me today. I, I wanted to start off by really getting a sense of you know, where you've come from in fitness. So what was 
your introduction to fitness and bodybuilding like? Yeah. So, um, before I was ever into fitness, I was fairly out of shape. I would say, you know, for being my age, I was 15 years old and out of all my friends, I was like considered, I guess the most out of shape or like the biggest friend. And you know, when you're that age, it's kind of, it's like a, a big insecurity on yourself when you feel that way. So what happened was I actually went camping for five days and I just remember that whole time I was like in a bathing suit and I was so uncomfortable with myself and just feeling like crap. And like, I had actually just broken up with my first boyfriend. So it was kind of like a big thing, you know, and I was just feeling like bad about that and bad about this. So actually on my last day of my camping trip, I remember I went up to my mom and I was like, mom, I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to lose weight. And she kind of just like, okay, you know, and then literally that next day I actually started going to the gym and, um, as I was going, like I wasn't, I guess you could say in the happiest of moods. So I wasn't really eating, but I was consistently going. So I actually lost weight and, you know, being in high school, when you're walking down the hallways, everyone starts complimenting you because you start, you know, you look different. And that was like a major um, confidence boost. So I just kept kind of going with it. And then I just never really stopped. And then about three years into lifting, um, I kind of was like, well, I just want to take it to the next level. So that's when I got my first coach and I started doing like bodybuilding um, training and I got on my very first program. And then that one only worked out for about three weeks, <laughs> only three weeks. Um, so I went to um, my team that I was on, which is a team local here um, in the Sacramento area. And my coach uh, brought me into my first show, which was the SAC show of um, twenty six or 2015, which was the one in November. So you're so, a veteran. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, mean I, I, I would say that. I mean, yeah. I, I like to think of myself as that because, you know, I kind of have to – I have to think of myself highly – um, in order to like have that confidence in myself, you know, so. And so where, and I didn't mean to cut you off, but where did that lead? So you competed, you competed, that was obviously like three or four years ago. Um, where, you know, how many contests have you led and, and what has your experience in competing been outside of regular fitness? So how has yeah. that kind of piece itself together? Oh yeah. So, um, so during my first prep, um, I was actually binge eating my whole entire prep. Um, and then I was actually, um, making myself like throw up after. So it wasn't a very healthy prep, um, which is why I only did the one show. And then after my show, it actually got worse. So I kept like binge eating and, and going through that cycle. Um, and then it was about two months later, I actually met my boyfriend and I remember him telling me, um, you know, I just keep my, I just keep my meals simple. And then I was like, huh. And so I, I always wanted to be like that flexible dieting guru person that like made these awesome meals and like, but at the same time it got to my head, which is why I started binge eating. So when he said that to me, I started just making my meals more simple. And then two, three weeks went by and I was like, wow, like I haven't meal. I mean, I haven't, I haven't binge date. So, um, honestly I haven't really binge date since then. Um, and then what, what happened from there was my metabolism was shot. So then I had to go through all that, um, trying to get it back up and working. And then um, things outside of competing was like holding me back from actually going into a prep. 
until about August of 2016, I did my set. I started my prep for my second show, which wasn't really in the best light for myself because I did prep my boyfriend that show the whole time. And I would say like, because of the way he was looking versus the way that I was at that time, I was focusing my attention a lot on him and Mm -hmm. trying to do it myself, but at the same time, like not so much. So I didn't place very well in that show and my boyfriend had placed third. Um, and that's a whole other story why I think he <laughs> third. But I, I believe he was supposed to get first, but you know, that's my opinion. Um, anyway, so then after that, I took all of 2017 off of competing, um, you know, for financial reasons and just to make myself better and get myself in a better situation and all that type of stuff. And then in November of last year, I started a cut and then I went up to Christmas time and it was like the day before Christmas. I was like, I just, I, I need to like eat something good. Cause I was like being really strict on myself for about six weeks or eight weeks or seven or whatever. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and then, um, so I kind of like took some time off during Christmas time and, and then I went to the LA fit expo and I was talking to a lot of competitors there and I don't know, it was something like some fire just like lit in me and I was like, all right, when I get back, it's going, it's go time. So when I got back, um, I just started prepping myself then. Um, and I prepped myself into the gov cup 20 of, of this year, 2018. Um, and then I actually got first in my class that year or this amazing, year. Amazing. Amazing. Um, I know we're going to jump around a lot, but there's a lot of things I think are really practical for people to hear because I think people who see either competitors or bodybuilders or, you know, whatever your atypical fitness person who I would say is in a place where they can influence people, they see, see, see all of us to see them as, as people who don't have struggles and who haven't struggled. They think that it's not relatable. So I think that some of the things that you kind of like dove into there are really powerful. And one of the things I want to know is, you know, with a binge eating disorder, how did you actually break it? I know you said that you started to fo- focus more on, on flexible dieting, but what was like some of the practical things that you told yourself or like, you know, made it so that you felt like you didn't have to restrict and that you could enjoy yourself without binging? Um, actually, the craziest part was the day I started doing flexible dieting was actually the day that I started binge eating. I remember, um, I was like, Oh, you know, like I don't have to stick to this crazy diet. So let me just have like a spoonful of ice cream. So I had a spoonful of ice cream and I was like, wow, that was like really good. I can have another one. I'll just track a little bit more, you know, I'll kind of guesstimate it. So then next thing you know, like I just couldn't stop. And then that ended up being at least once a week, my whole entire prep. Um, and then, you know, I, I would always tell myself, like, don't, like, you, don't do it today. Like, you're not going to do it today. And I just could never stop. Like, there were times where I woke up and I would literally be afraid to eat because just the taste of food in my mouth just made me crave sweets and foods and, like, make me want to binge. And it's it was, like, super hard on me for a long time because – you know, it was my first time cutting down for a show and I thought I looked amazing. And that was always like one of my goals was to like be lean because I've always been like a, a bigger framed girl. So, you know, my body dysmorphia was like 
tragic. And then when I was like binge eating and I gained all of it back and I just felt crappy all the time, it was so hard. And I really don't know exactly where it led to me stopping. But like I said, I think it was just the fact that I was keeping my foods more simple, like a carb, a vegetable and a protein in one meal instead of like, let me try to make this crazy like tortilla wrap thing with and like cut it in and like let me put this little sauce on the side and we could pretend it's like sushi rolls because I did that a couple Mm -hmm. times and you know it it got to my head because I would always see all these like if it fits your macros like people doing all these awesome like macro inventions and I was like I want to be that person and yeah it just didn't work out for me (laughs) well and I think that 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 kind of hits on the head it's like it almost sounds like from my standpoint that it was more focused on actually eating real food. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I've noticed that like I've gotten the hang of flexible dieting. I've actually gotten to a point now where if I don't track, like I feel off and it's like weird to say that. Um, not like I'll track my whole entire day, but you know, I'll track like the majority and maybe have like some treat on at the end of my day, but not track it. Cause I won't necessarily need to, um, cause I don't have like any specific show day or anything. Cause I still like to enjoy myself. Like I've always kind of been a foodie and I love looking at food. So, you know, having that meal or that thing at the end of the day that I can enjoy really like puts me at ease. But, um, but yeah, I mean, there was, there was a time where it wasn't like that. So when I try to explain this to people, when I first start them off on, um, flexible dieting is like, it's not, it's not about fit whatever you can into your macros like you really still have to eat clean and eat good food and because those are the things that help you perform those are the things that make you feel good it's like the flexible dieting is there to help it help you be able to fit in that cookie that you want or you know that candy bar if you want it or you know like a lot of people even me you know I like to eat like a donut or like maybe some chocolate before my workout because that helps me with my workout so kind of allows me to be able to do that and not feel guilty and I think it also, it's like an 80-20 principle, like anything. In yeah. the like, I, I kind of tell people, it's like, you know, eat healthy 80% of the time, stick to your guidelines, and then you can have the 20% where it's like maybe you have like pancakes or waffles, and you could still make those things work. Yeah, definitely. Exactly. And one question I kind of wanted to dive into off of that is, what was the actual process or I guess maybe more of like the mental process of patients when you had to rebuild your metabolism because I think that's something I especially when people are struggling to lose weight not even obviously competing because that's a whole nother animal but losing weight some people who have just been on crash diets or have really destroyed their metabolism it's it's a very important aspect of it but I think it's also a mental game so how were you able to kind of have that patience and work through that over time yeah um so I think my first um, barrier I broke through was the fact that I stopped binge eating. Um, and then what actually happened was I was like, okay, so I'm not binge eating anymore. Like I want to go back on a prep. So I tried going back on a prep for about five weeks and I won, I didn't lose any weight. I actually started gaining weight and I was like losing, um, I was losing calories and upping cardio, you know, the whole time. And it just wasn't working. So I actually told my coach, I was like, look, I just, my can't, I can't prep. Like my body's just not working. I was like, I think my metabolism shot. So she actually put me on a reverse diet, but it was a reverse carb cycle. So that's what actually got my metabolism to start 
up and running again. It took about a month. That's it. What, like, what, would, the, what would a reverse carb cycle look like for the people who are listening? Yeah. Um, so it was kind of like every week my macros were changed, but they were, but, um, Okay, so on my high carb days and my low carb days, my calories were always the same. It was just the transition of like lowering my fats or high, uh, upping my carbs or vice versa um, versus whatever day, if it was a high carb day or a low carb day. Um, and then the next week, my calories as a whole would increase. And then the week after, my calories as a whole would increase, but I would still be on a carb cycle. So... And, and, and how long did that take you to actually rebuild your metabolism? Um, I would say to get it back up and working probably took one, it, it only took one month for me to actually start feeling hungry again and feeling that, that normalcy of having a, meta, a running metabolism. But, um, I would say to get my metabolism up and working probably around four to five months, um, to start feeling like, uh, normal again. And, and meaning also that you were feeling hungry, your body yeah. was almost craving food, and you were able to actually feel like you had energy, or was it something else that was there? Um, it was just, yeah, it was just feeling normal, like feeling like my hormones were regulated back again, like I had a, a regular, you know, menstrual cycle, like uh, my energy was there, my strength was back, you know, it was things like that that I started noticing after a few months that my metabolism felt normal. Like I just felt normal again. It wasn't me feeling like, Oh wow, it's been like five hours. I haven't ate and I'm not hungry. You know, I, I was feeling that way for a second then. Yeah. So that wasn't happening anymore. Makes sense. I think it's huge too, especially before the, the amount of food that you're able to eat. It's, it, it, ha it plays a huge role, especially in your energy. It's like by the end of a prep, you'll be, it's like people are, have a misconception about prep. They think that by being, and looking your best, you feel your best, and that's not the case. <laughs> exactly. I, I have to still explain that to people to this day. So, One thing I wanted to jump into, and I, I do want to make it full circle back to your competition and in, in your prep life, but one thing I think is really interesting is it, it sounded, from my standpoint, like when you started at a young age, like that was a different experience than maybe most people have because I think that most people kind of – aren't as serious about training when they're younger it kind of comes into like the 20s and things like that what was the actual process for you getting into training was it just like you started doing cardio and then you started doing weights like was there classes or like what was some of the hurdles that you first faced when you first got into training yeah um it's funny i hear a lot of people they start cardio and training i actually just had been weight training from the very beginning um, I actually did the same thing for like three months straight when I first started. It was always abs, butt, legs, abs, butt, legs every single day. And, you know, I, I'm not exactly sure, um, you know, the exact steps that I took. But, you know, over time, um, you kind of just watch people in the gym and you kind of like, oh, I'll try that. And then you try it out and then maybe you add that to your routine. And then you try something else and you add that to your routine. And then it was – at a certain point, I was like, you know, I'm going to add cardio now. So I started adding cardio into my training. And then I was like, I'm going to add stretching. So then it was um, weights, cardio, stretching. And then it was sauna adding. So it was like weights, cardio, stretching, sauna. And I did that every single day for probably the first two years or two and a half years of my training. Um, and then, you know, I consistently kept 
lifting weights. And I really liked the feeling of getting stronger during my squats and my deadlifts. And I actually was like training almost like a guy, you know, like trying to lift the heaviest weight on bench press and the heaviest weight on deadlifts and the heaviest weight on squats. It wasn't necessarily for any type of look. It was more about the way that I felt when I was like lifting weights. It just, like I said, it just came to a point where I was like, okay, like I'm already into lifting. Like I'm already doing all this. Like you know, being 18 years old, and you have trainers at your gym, like coming up to you, giving you props on being at the gym at like six o'clock in the morning, when they've seen you at the gym at like eight o'clock at night, you know, the night before, um, you know, you just, you were, you're just so passionate. You're like, okay, I want to take this to the next level. Yeah. And I think that shines through. So what do you feel like really bred that passion? Because I think at that age, and I know for, from my standpoint, like I personally started like really getting into training around the same age. It, it does take a different kind of like person and feeling. So like for you, what was that driving factor? Was it just the feeling that you were getting from it? Was it that you believed it was building you up to something else? Or was it just like the actual process made you kind of keep going back for more? Um, I would say, I would say it started, I mean, I would say for the most part in this probably is very common with a lot of people it's always about you know the way that you look and I remember from the very first time that I ever started really noticing like a female's body was probably when I was in seventh grade and growing up being so unhealthy and my parents not educating themselves or me on how to eat healthy like what even health is you know and you start noticing that guys kind of like those girls that look uh, thinner or leaner or you know so it was always kind of driven with like a insecurity in myself I guess and I always wanted to overcome that and then the way that I was feeling working out and then I think the consistent um, like kudos from people uh, always getting recognized that I'm always going to the gym and putting in work you know whereas I never felt anything like that like I started inspiring people and that made me feel good because you know I never had that feeling before. And so I just kind of was driven from that um, before. And, and within that, when you were starting on that, what was the biggest hurdle that you first had to get through? What was like, did you face like gym anxiety? Like, did you have different aspects that like, kind of were like, oh, this is a new thing and I'm not sure what I'm supposed to be doing. Like, what was the biggest mental hurdle that you had to make or jump through? And then how did you make that shift? You know, I'm trying to think back because I felt like it was so long ago. Um, I'd probably say just like hoping that I was doing the right things to get to where I wanted to be. Like I just, you know, not knowing exactly what to do. Um, you know, like, sim I mean, it's simple things like that I know now that I didn't know back then that probably held me back a little bit was probably like you know simple things like connecting to the muscle you know flexing the muscle when you're training like I didn't do any of that so like back then it was probably just hoping I was doing the right things and kind of just going with it, it was, I, don't, I can't remember any like exact like hurdles that Moment, I, really like that yeah exactly yeah well and so now I kind of want to bring it back into more of your current space so Obviously, that's very beginner getting involved, working through a lot of the different mental hurdles as far as the diet and the training. What do you feel like is the biggest shift that someone has to make in order to move from general fitness to be in a place where they want to compete and showcase their body in that way? Um, you know what? I feel like 
whenever someone comes to me and they say they want to compete, I always tell them, you will know. You will know, you will feel it in yourself that what I'm doing is is great. I love what I'm doing, but there's something in me that wants more. And I actually remember I told a girl this one time and it wasn't until like probably a year and a half later, she came to me. She's like, I remember when you told me that and I just still wanted to do it. And I don't think I was ready then. So I think it's just, you just feel like this itch to like want to do something more than what you're already doing, you know, because when you're in the gym and you're lifting weights and you're going on runs and you're like doing all these things, you're like, okay, I've been doing this for so long. Like what else is there? And you, you, you kind of just take that, that leap of faith in your and, Yeah. And for you, what is the thing that you enjoy the most about it? Uh, about like actually competing, going into a prep, taking that, taking that leap of faith and, and going to the next level. Yeah. Um, I would say it's, it's the fact of seeing my body change, you know, like, like I said, I think everything really spawns today, still to this day about the way that I grew up, the way that I felt back then was just like that insecurity and not seeing change and not knowing what to do. So now I'm in a position where I know what to do. Like I know what I'm doing with myself. I know, you know, the steps I need to take. So it's like just making it's, it's having that, um, what's it called? Um, that confidence and that discipline to pursue a continuous schedule of like eating and training and cardio. It's like, it's a, it's a mental battle that I know that I can accomplish and then seeing my body change throughout the way, uh, along the way, which is actually what made, I think my last prep more special because I did it 100% by myself all the way through. So knowing that like I could do that for myself and seeing my body change and me doing it myself actually made it a lot more special to me knowing that like, wow, like I can really do this. So. And I think that that's pretty empowering. What, what outside of just the physical change of your body, like how has training and fitness dieting and competing helped you outside of the gym? Yeah. Yeah. I actually like to tell people this is, you know, I feel like what you learn as a lesson inside the gym, you can take outside with you. So things like, um, you know, a lot of people are afraid to lift heavy weight. And when it comes to like a deadlift, you know, and you have like a 45 on each side and say it's like your first time, you know, it's like a big deal that you have 135 pounds that you're about to lift and you've never done it before. Um, and you go and, and you go and hit that set and you hit maybe two or three. I think like just that thing, that thing of you thinking like, I didn't think I could do this probably like three months ago, but I overcame that just now doing it. It's something that you can take outside of the gym with you thinking like, you know, whether it be in your business or, you know, your friendships, your relationships. Like, I don't think that, um, that I can, you know, fix this relationship that I have, but yet you still have this something in you that makes that you believe you can fix whatever the problem is or whatever you're going through outside, you know, like family issues or relationship or whatever the case is. Yeah. It almost breaks it down to smaller, smaller pieces. Yeah. It builds you up inside, makes you stronger. Absolutely. Well, and I think that it's like, 
like one thing I tell people, it's like you you have to break it down into small pieces so that you can see how things map out long term. And I think it's kind of that same thing. It's like if you can start with just making yourself better, you can see, okay, well, maybe there's something else I can improve. Definitely. Exactly. What I want to really dive into too, I think is really – I think more of a personal thing for you, but how would you categorize yourself? So, you know, obviously you compete. I know you train people. You, you just started precision fitness, um, which is your coaching business, right? Yes. Yes. And so between all those three things, like how would you categorize yourself as a person in the fitness industry? Um, I would definitely categorize myself more as a, coach that wants to help with um just teaching you how to live a healthy lifestyle because i think a lot of people have a misconception of what it is i think a lot of people think um you know you have to only eat you're only confined to like these foods and you know you have to do so and so amount of cardio and you're probably eating less but in reality like you're probably eating more than like the average person because let's face it, like a lot of people think that it's a, you, if you eat less, you'll lose weight. But obviously, once you really know, it's not necessarily that way. So it's like, I want to be able to teach that and then also bring it to the next level and apply it um, into a prep. So I would really like uh, to categorize myself as a prep coach that also is like a long term lifestyle that you can take as a long-term lifestyle coach as well. Cause you know, it's, it's not just all about prepping. Like you're not going to prep 12 months out of a year. It's just impossible. So just having that knowledge of how to go about going about a prep and then going about an off season and coming out of the prep and doing all that and teaching people the ways of everything that is incorporated into this lifestyle is, is how I categorize myself and and so within that um taking someone on taking on someone who wants to get healthy have their lifestyle what's one practical diet advice piece that you would offer them because i think that there's so much information on like oh you should do keto or you should do you know low carb or you know maybe you should try you know if it fits your macros but those don't necessarily lead to anything because they're just like it's like going to a a large chain store. You don't necessarily know what's inside. So what is one practical piece that you would start off someone who's just getting into it, or maybe is trying to make that lifestyle change. What's one practical piece of diet advice that you would give them? Um, yeah. Dieting advice. Um, I would, I would say, so what I would do is I would just ask the client what they're already doing. And then from there, I would actually take what they're already doing and like how many times a day are they eating and more and, and try to gear it more towards how like something that's sustainable for them. Like if they're able to eat like three times a day with a snack, you know, I'll make sure that they're getting in their calories in those three meals with that snack. So, you know, that would obviously mean bigger meals in those three in those three or more calories in those three meals. Um, in that snack versus like someone who can eat five, six meals, you know, and they like doing that. So, you know, I, I like to take what they're already doing and help them, uh, fit it to what, the, to, 
eating consistently the same amount of calories. Cause that's how, that's one thing I would say is like eating the same amount of calories every single day consistently, your body tends to recognize that. And it tends to start burning that, which is where your metabolism starts revving up. And then that's where you can increase or decrease whatever your goal is. Yeah. I think that that's, that's extremely practical. It's like almost like take what you're doing now and then see how you could adjust it because maybe what you're doing now isn't that bad. Exactly. Exactly. Like, you know, everybody's lifestyle is different and I can't say, Hey, you need to eat six meals a day. It's just, I don't even eat six meals a day. You know, like I don't, I can't tell someone else to do that if it doesn't fit their lifestyle. Cause if it doesn't fit their lifestyle, then it's not going to be sustainable. And if it's not going to be sustainable, then they're not going to stick to it. And then they're, they're going to fail, you know, and, I, and that's not my job. I don't want to see someone fail. I want to see someone succeed in this and be able to accomplish what they want on with their lifestyle that they already have. Cause they're not going to go and quit their job just so that way they can prep or live the lifestyle. It's just, it's just not going to happen. So. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, within that, what's what, so that's a perfect example too. I think that so many people have this idea that someone who's fit and healthy is either dieting extremely doing hours and hours on end of cardio or just being absolutely miserable. And what's, what's something that people say to you as far as your diet that is almost like a total like misconception or things that people just commonly say that's just far off from what you actually have to do to get in shape. Yeah. You know, one thing I hear a lot of times is like, you must barely be eating any carbs. And I'm like, what? Uh, actually, I'm eating a, a crap ton of carbs, to be honest. All of the carbs. <laughs> yeah, actually, all the carbs. You know, I'm probably eating a lot more carbs than you think. Um, actually, I had a client this morning, and she was telling me, she's like, she even said today, like, you, you would think that looking at someone that looks like you, that all you do is eat clean, and all you do is you know, train and do cardio. And I'm like, uh, no, like actually like I love eating out all the time. In fact, me and my boyfriend, that's what we do. Like that's our fun is going out to eat. It's kind of funny. So, uh, unless we're on prep, like we go out to eat probably three times a week. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and that's not including like things that we bring home, you know? So, um, a lot of people, they just, it's, it's hard for them to understand that, you know, if you eat more, you're probably actually going to look better and you're going to feel better and you're going to be able to, you know, train better. And so, yeah, it's all about, I think, I think people have like, it's like, they think you're on the rabbit food diet. It's like, like, I'm I'm eating a tremendous amount to fuel my body. Exactly. What I know, like having, clients having you know lifestyle clients a lot of the training can be different so one of the questions i like to ask people is if you were in a position where you only had someone who could do three exercises they could only do three exercises they only had time to do three exercises and that's what they could incorporate two or three times a week what are the three exercises that you would have them do consistently to at least move closer towards their goal let's say trying to lose weight yeah um I'm sure you hear this one often, but obviously a squat, uh, it is definitely a full body movement, um, you know, works your quads, your hamstrings, your glutes, your back, your shoulders, your core. So that's just like a full body movement. 
on its own that you can consistently do. Uh, I'd probably say a lat pull down um, since it helps, you know, strengthen the back and the lats and um, help keep your, you know, your posture up and your posterior chain strong and solid. And then um, I'd probably say a plank because, you know, it works your core and um, your shoulders and, you know, you have to keep yourself stable and um, it's more, it's, it's core based, but it has a lot of different components that you're using in your body to be able to stay stable. Um, so. I think those are three excellent choices, especially, uh, the squat. No one wants to squat. <laughs> no one yeah. wants to squat. <laughs> a lot of people are afraid to squat, you know, you know, as, as a trainer, I'm like, mm -mm, you don't have a choice today. <laughs> You're going to do it. <laughs> Yeah, I think, uh, why do you think that is? Do you think it's more of that it's intimidating because it looks so heavy? you think people are more worried about getting hurt? And, and how do you alleviate that? Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's a little bit of both. I think it, it looks scary. You know, people are afraid of getting underneath a bar because they're not exactly sure, one, how it feels, how their body's going to react to it, um, being underneath a, a bar. So, I mean, no one really puts heavy weight on their shoulders unless they are lifting, so... Um, so it is kind of scary when you first start, but yeah, I never start anyone else or anyone out using a barbell. I always start them doing like goblet squats or TRX or it's mostly like TRX squats and then goblet squats and then, um, a box squat and then, and then it'll lead into a barbell, but I never put someone underneath a barbell unless I feel completely comfortable with it. You know, some people it takes two weeks, some people it takes four months. So uh, it all just depends on where they start with me. I think I think that's a great point. I think starting with like no weight or a dumbbell, you have to start with the fundamentals. And I think if people think that they have to either like train like a bodybuilder to get results, and that's not the case. It's like no. if you could just do something, I think that, that leads you so much further ahead. Definitely. And I'm such a, I'm like a form police. I love, I like <laughs> perfect form on all my clients to like a T. Like they could be on like their fifth rep. And if they mess up, like I'm going to tell them because I just want them to get it down like so perfectly. So uh, I just make sure that they know exactly how to perform the exercise before I add, start adding like crazy amounts of weight, you know? And then, you know, as a trainer, when I'm right there, I, I'm always there to like help assist them and and help them make sure I, I always tell them like I'm right here so if you can't get the weight up just know like you're gonna stand right back up like you're not gonna fall because I'm right here so I and think it what I was gonna say is, is within that do you find that just having that boat of confidence makes the difference for them or that they can kind of manifest once they kind of see you pushing them that way um I think, well, yeah, I think definitely, like, if I have the confidence in them, then they'll kind of start having the confidence in themselves, um, especially because I've already put them through so many different things that when it comes to actually doing the actual barbell squat, that they're not completely um, clueless of what to do. So, yeah, like, I, I, if I sat there not sure about putting them underneath the bar. I think they would be a little bit more nervous themselves. So I definitely have, I have confidence in my clients when I do put them through these heavier weighted exercises. Um, because I have, because I feel confident that they can do that. What is, 
so what is the, I know you talk about wanting to bring people through lifestyle and if they want to prep, wanting them to prep and helping them along that journey. What is, I don't want to say your ideal client, but who are you trying to help? Like who is the ideal person that you are trying to serve through your coaching? Yeah. So when it, uh, so I know I've been talking about like my in-person uh, training, which it's funny because even on my Instagram, a lot of people don't know that I actually do in-person training because I am an employee of, uh, of a company, but um, I'm trying to slowly like transition out of that more to do my precision fitness, which I actually am doing with my boyfriend. So it's not just me. It's both of us together. Um, but I would definitely say for that, for what I really want to do, it would be a client that already is working out, that's already into lifting and kind of has that, like they already know what they're doing in the gym. I think it's very tough, especially if I'm doing it online, um, to like teach a client how to do these exercises properly because to do a prep and to do a bodybuilding lifestyle, which is a, the type of client that I would want, someone that wants to do the bodybuilding lifestyle or um, prepping and you know, training of a bodybuilder, um, they have to know like how to engage in the muscle and how to flex the glutes and flex the muscle while they're training it. Cause I think that's probably one of the biggest things that I see that a lot of people don't do. They kind of just go through the motion and that's not really doing much. So, um, I would say like I would take on a client that doesn't know exactly how to do that, but I would want them to be able to know how to like, perform exercises already like i would like someone that's brand new in the gym i would if it was online and if they were in the area i was surrounding i would definitely tell them like you need to come work with me in person because i need to show you exactly how i need you to be doing it but if it was an online client that already knew what they were doing and they just like like kind of where i was they want just wanted to take it to the next step then you know i'd be totally comfortable with taking them full on as an online only client and it's kind of that same thing you said it's about that feeling exactly yeah because you can't you can't just like curl away and then expect your bicep to grow like you really gotta like flex it all the way through to the peak you know get that full range of motion and i just feel like there's so many little tweaks that make big differences especially in bodybuilding because we are building a physique so it is important to like have these small tweaks here and there to get these tiny muscles to enhance this part of your body. So it's all about a sculpture. It's all about it is. Sculpture. It is. There's a lot that goes into it, which is why I think it's so interesting, you know, like that you can really, you know, change your body and change the way that it looks through training through small tweaks here and there. And that make big differences. I love it. And I think that makes a huge difference in a good coach and a bad coach. Yes, yes. I try, I try. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I wanted to, as we're wrapping up, I wanted to take a couple time, a couple questions and really give everyone a better understanding of who you are outside of fitness because it's not all about that square box that people like to peg everyone in. So what is one of the things that you like to do for leisure or something that has nothing to do with fitness at all? Oh, that one's, I mean... I would say like, you know, growing up the way that I did, I was always camping and come outdoors and especially living in Northern California. Um, there's a lot of trails and there's a lot of nature. 
So I like being outside and hiking and being by the river and the lake because I don't have beaches like you guys down in Southern California. Lucky. I'm from <laughs> New Hampshire, so I come <laughs> The lake is where I want to be at all times. Yeah, exactly. Like, I have, like, rivers and lakes up here, but a lot of nature. So, lots of hiking. Um, I like to be outside. Um, I'm not sure if this really counts as not fitness, but I do love cooking um, and baking. And I love, like, coming up with creative things. Like, I feel like I can kind of make any type of um, – anything really on a whim like if I and make it like fit macros I guess like I just I like being creative in the kitchen it's kind of like my my thing like I always like I'm always the one meal prepping you know for me and my boyfriend and I don't ever like dislike doing it you know it's just something about just getting my groove on in there and the time's going by but I'm not really paying attention like I just like that feeling of being creative and getting things done and knowing that I'm on on a roll and yeah. So <laughs> you, you and Lindsay would get along really well then. Um, I know. I heard, I heard she likes cooking too. I was like, good for her. <laughs> uh, her. So I, I like to categorize like life into different segments. And right now, obviously we're building our fitness businesses and we're doing all those kinds of things. But the goal is that I, my personal goal is to retire as a loose term retire and be able to have like a nice bar on the beach somewhere. And she wants to have a cafe. So I figured we'd just merge those two and she can run the business in the morning and I'll hang out at night. <laughs> oh, that'd be awesome. That'd be so cool. I'll come visit. Just let me know. <laughs> exactly. We'll have a party. Um, what is, what is one quote that you would, you would assign to your life? Something that you feel like is synonymous with everything you do. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about this one, and I couldn't really come up with anything except one quote that I remember I read when I was in sixth grade, and it said, life is simple, it's just not easy. And I don't know why, it's just resonated with me ever since I read it, like back in middle school when you're putting quotes on your pictures and stuff like that, like that's what I did with that quote. And, like, ever since then, I was, like, if I ever got a tattoo, because I don't have any, that's probably a, a quote I would get. And, you know, it makes sense, because now that I'm, you know, an adult and living my life, like, I just, you know, a lot of things are very simple. Um, it's just hard work. And, um, and that's just a quote that kind of, like, never has left. I love that. That's, that is a powerful, it's like, it, I think there's a Les Brown quote that it's like, you know, it, it's, it's, I think it's the same thing. It's, it's always going to be simple, but life's always going to be hard. Like you have to yeah. always do the work. Exactly. What is one habit or skill that you have for increasing your productivity? Yeah. Um, honestly, I'm still working on this. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> I would say, you know, just getting me by myself, um, it's like the only way that I can, I feel like I can be productive because I really do have a hard time focusing on one thing. Like I'll be on my computer trying to do one thing and then I'll go to another thing and then I'll go to another thing. And then I'm like, wait, 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 it's been like 10 minutes. I got to go back to the first thing. That's what I came here for. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's something I'm still personally working on. But yeah, I would just say like just the fact of getting myself alone helps me tremendously. Like I, I'm a person, like, if I read, I have to have it completely quiet because I can't focus on, unless it's, like, silent. Um, mm -hmm. like, even, like, music in the background, like, slow, 
like m music just doesn't work for me. I just, I, yeah. So getting myself alone and um, focusing helps me. Um, yeah, I, I, I can uh, completely relate with that. I know that it might be different from your standpoint, but it sounds like, you know, I have to be either like I can be in a coffee shop with like some kind of music on and I put on like the same 10 songs I've listened to since I was in college that just repeat, repeat, repeat. Like it helps me zone out. But like if there's people around and noise going on, like I have to be the person who like tucks their nose in the corner and like there's no one around and that's where I'm my most productive. But like if there's life going on around me, I'm like, oh my God, like leave me alone. <laughs> exactly. Like I've had to like leave coffee shops because I couldn't. I couldn't focus. Yeah, I can. I've been there, <laughs> but I think it's, it's, it comes out of knowing your strengths. Like it's like, exactly. yeah, like, like, you know, Lindsay's great when there's a bunch of people around and like, there's all this energy cause she feeds off it. She feels creative. It's like, no, I need to like sit down and like be able to like, okay, where am I actually going? I think exactly. it's all about knowing your strengths. Uh-huh. Most definitely. Um, what's, what is advice that you would give yourself 20 years from now? Um, Mine would be to just continue to be yourself. Like, don't lose yourself in what you want to do and continue to remain humble because, you know, it's it's so easy that once you start getting, you know, more clients and you start working more, so then you start making more, you know, you're financially getting better. And I think it's easier for people to kind of like lose themselves, especially like in the industry, you know, they want to like, get that attention by posting different kind of things that aren't, you know, they're more explicit. And, you know, I think like I want to remain, still remain humble, but confident. And I don't want to, and I would say 20 years from now, I still want to have that humbleness and that confidence at the same time. I love it. What's one fun fact about you that most people wouldn't know? Hmm. Um, me, my mom, and my grandpa, we can all touch our noses with our tongues. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, that is a unique family trait. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it run, it's in the genes. <laughs> and, and the last question is, what's your one rule for life? One rule for life. Um, continue striving for what you want. Like, I, I just noticed that at a young age or not young age, I would say 16 when I was able to get a job, I was never good at working for somebody. Like even to this day, you know, like I am a trainer, so I have more of that, that flexibility in my schedule, but I just have, was never good at like working for somebody, having somebody like tell me how much I'm going to get paid and how much like I'm able to make and how many hours I'm able to work, you know, like I just, so it's like doing what I'm doing by having my business and helping people in that way is like a way for me to be able to have that freedom where I feel like I can have my own time and I can have, you know, do what I want and there's no limit to what I can do. And I think like, that's, that's one thing that I've always kind of held on to. Like I'm never, I'm not a good employee. I'll tell you that. <laughs> but, like, I'll be honest. <laughs> that's all right it's all about knowing your strengths i love that yeah so yeah it, you know yeah back in the day you know i thought that was like a negative thing i was like man i just don't want to go to work today like how do i get out did i call in sick like i don't know <laughs> but you know i think at the same time like 
knowing like having that being so young you know back then I didn't know but I think it ha it plays a part in what I do now where I'm like I need to take control of what I'm doing because I, I can't listen to somebody else like I'm going to listen to myself more than I'm going to listen to somebody else like I want to make I want to make my life my own for my own for myself and I think as an entrepreneur it's all about knowing yourself yeah, definitely. There's still things like that I do that I hate, like editing podcasts, um, <laughs> like <laughs> having to actually sit down and like, okay, like this is how I master it and stuff like that. But it's also the benefit of having the creative freedom to be yourself. And that's exactly what you really get out of everything you do is you have the freedom to work for yourself, doing what you want, and having that freedom to strive for. Definitely. Well, so my last actual question, so I lied about the last one, um, is where can people find you, Amanda? Where can people get more information about you, your coaching services? Where can they learn how to reach you? Yeah, so um, I, so on my Instagram, my Instagram is Amanda Eve Fitness. Um, it's all, all one word. So it's my first name, my middle name, and then fitness. Uh, I still am working on I'm getting a website up and going since I just started my precision fitness like two months ago. Um, but that is in the works. Um, so I would say that's kind of like my only avenue really right now that I have because I don't really use Twitter. I think it's kind of immature on there. And, you know, honestly, it makes me kind of feel bad. So I don't like to stay away from that. Um, yeah. And then on there, you know, I have my email link. So I just kind of put my email link. I always like post on my stories, you know, this is how you can get a hold of me if you're interested in like services with me. Um, but my email is precisionfitnessbusiness at gmail.com. So that would be the email that I would receive from my, um, from my inquiries. Okay. Awesome. And I'll make sure that's all linked up in the show notes too. Um, and, and you do have, is it, you have a precision fitness Instagram too? Is it the yes. same? Okay. Yes. So, you know, as, as, as everything's so new, you know, we're still, we're still working things out and yeah. So that one would be just team precision fitness. That's the Instagram is team okay. precision fitness. And then my personal is Amanda Eve fitness. Awesome. Yeah. And I'll make sure that that's all there in the show notes. So, well, thank you so much for joining me, man. It's been a blast. Um, I think that this is very valuable, especially talking about a lot of the hurdles. I don't, I think that that's something that can really help a lot of people, but more than anything, you have a, just a genuine, genuine air about you. So I think this has been an excellent podcast. I'm really glad that you came on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I had a lot of fun. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you. Um, so you guys can follow us at BMP radio. That's BMP radio, or you can follow me at Instagram. Brian Pickowitz. That's P I C K O W I C Z. But thank you all for turning in. And I just want to remind you to continue to be a light and believe more. Talk to you guys soon. Thank you for tuning in to BMP Radio. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. And if you like this talk, leave it a review. You can follow us on Instagram at BMP Radio or my personal account at Brian Pickowitz. That's P-I-C-K-O-W-I-C-Z. Thank you all for tuning in. And just a reminder, continue to be a light and inspire others to believe. More.